I'm Ren Young. And I'm Katrina Vargas. And And this this is That Other F Word. So when you guys look at the news these days, when you're like inundated with business on your phone, what are you, what are you seeing? Where are the white women at? (laughs) (laughs) Also, for one time, Mitch gave us a warning that the recorded episode was actually going to start being recorded. And now I don't know what to do with myself. (laughs) (laughs) I just, let's start it with that before we just really just go into this whole, um, so what we're not talking about is the missing Deshina Kyle from Knoxville. We kind of have seen something here and there. I'm just, oh, what am I? Oh, what are we seeing? That was the question. Sorry, Rin. Yes, I do. I do want to say in the news, what we're seeing is two of the members of The View have tested positive with breakthrough cases of COVID. I know that that is at the top of everyone's minds. Yeah. Yep. Um, Couldn't guess which so, two. <laughs> the top... <laughs> Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, we're not even talking about that. Um, Biden is terrible, apparently. And by the way, I'm sorry to digress one more time. But yesterday was the first day that I saw the Biden and Carter's picture. The photo of the Bidens with the Carters. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I cannot get it out of my mind. Like it is hilarious. The, the structure of the picture. The, the fact that the Bidens look like massive. giants. Like huge giants. Well, they are. The Carters are like 150 years old each. No, no. And, like, but their they, body like, breaks down. and But like the Bidens in this shot. Sorry, this is so off topic. Very but, off topic, Mitchell. But he's like kneeled down next to this chair and it looks like it's like a toy chair with a toy man in it (laughs) so like it's Rosalind carter (laughs) we needed this we needed this because we're gonna get dark here in a minute but that's how i feel when i take pictures of my filipino family (laughs) (laughs) i had on the spot come up with this incredibly smooth transition and you too. I'm still waiting on the Adderall to kick in. It'll, it'll happen here. In a Mitchell, that picture was taken like three months ago. Please wake up and join September of 2021. <laughs> Maybe I'll get back on Facebook. <clears throat> oh, don't do that. No, don't do that. <laughs> Just kidding. No way. I thought about you. I, I responded to an anti masker on my like school board representatives page last night. Mm-hmm, I, just sat there. I thought, well, I thought about you, first of all. And I was like, thank God Mitchell doesn't do this anymore. Why did I do this? Should I go back and delete it? Thank <laughs> God they didn't respond to me. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, what I was going to say 15 minutes ago when this episode started was that probably if you're engaged in the news at all, you have heard about Gabby Petito, who was a missing young woman who is now her remains have been recovered. So before these two. Yeah, we're not trying to take away from the fact that a a young woman was murdered. I mean, we're going to we're going to get into all of that. Let me just really quick, in in case you are, uh, you know, don't have a phone or a television. I don't know how you're listening to this in that case. But if you don't know what we're talking about by some miracle, let me give you just a real quick rundown. Um, Please. I will. 
You're welcome. <laughs> she was uh, a 22 year old who was traveling across the country with her fiance, Brian Laundry, um, in a white van. And they were like, hashtag van life, which is apparently a thing. People living in vans across and like traveling, which I, I mean, I can see the appeal, right? Um, but I'll stay here in my house. So her remains were found Sunday, last Sunday. So we're recording this on September 25th um, in an area of Wyoming's Bridger Teton National Forest. And that was on the 21st. Uh, the coroner determined the cause of death was homicide. He had returned, Brian Laundry had returned home earlier this month without her. Um, her parents who live in New York, she and he and his parents lived in Florida. Um, her parents made a missing persons report after he returned to Florida without her. They hadn't heard from her for all of September. Um, he left his parents home with a backpack, but not his phone or wallet on the 14th of this month. Local and federal authorities have been searching for him in 25,000 acre Florida nature reserve on the 23rd. So two days ago, the FBI announced a federal arrest warrant for his activities after Petito's death. Um, Another thing, and we will get into this later, they had an incident with the police, um, which <laughs> there are different perspectives on it based on, you know, what you watch and, and what you hear. Um, but they had this encounter in mid-August following an altercation, uh, but no charges were filed. So normally I feel like in the flow of an episode, this would go much later but because we are an anti-racist podcast, we're going to talk about this first. So one reason, and I think that it's a sign of the times we're living in, that things are changing, be it ever so slowly, is that one of the major reactions to this case has been talk about why when someone goes missing, the amount of coverage that they get, that the missing person gets, vary so much depending on race. Okay. And there's actually a name for this. It's called missing white women's syndrome. So this was a phrase coined by Gwen Eiffel, who is a former PBS anchor who's now passed. So it refers to the mainstream media's seeming fascination with covering missing or endangered white women like Lacey Peterson, Natalie Holloway. I'm sure that you guys can think of other examples. Um, and the media's disinterest in cases involving missing people of color. So there was a study um, that found that white women, and of course, all the all the uh, references and such are in our notes. Can I can I interject um, for uh, just one moment? I'm sorry. sorry. Um, Who could stop you? Um, there's, there's also nobody. Like I, I run the shit. So uh, there's also a term in um, law enforcement uh, that refers to sex workers, people of color. Uh, drug users, et cetera, called less dead. Yes. And yeah, they're high, they're considered high risk. Right. Where Disgusting. you pass them and you look at it and you go, yeah, probably just another junkie. And then you move on and go and find somebody else. But it's, it's all, it's profiling uh, to say the least, but uh yeah, it, it's it's not just in the media. It's, like it's also in law enforcement. This concept of well, it's the de the constant dehumanization of um, you know the uh, 
some people matter more than some people are valued more highly than others in our society. Yes. So what this study found was that white women were much more likely to be the subject of news coverage relative to their proportions among missing persons. Women in general were significantly more likely to be covered um, than men. Uh, White women make up about a third of the national population, but half of the articles in the data set are just about white females alone. Um, They also found the coverage of missing white women was different in intensity. Outlets were more likely to repeatedly report on particular stories of missing white women, which then drove up the total number of articles about white. So it's like a, you know, a self-perpetuating cycle. Uh, By choosing to disproportionately highlight the experiences of of whites and women, uh, perhaps implicitly or explicitly, they're intimating that the cases of these individuals matter more. Uh, whether that is the intended outcome or not. So the FBI did a breakdown of missing persons uh, by race. So keep in mind, this is not by gender. Uh, Roughly 60% white, 35% black, and 4% other. But, um, you know, like I said, it doesn't like say gender in that. Um, As intuitive as it seems, there's little doubt to support that the notion that media exposure helps resolve such cases Um, the person who conducted the study said that equitable coverage matters, even as as of yet unproven investigative value. So it's not so much that we're finding white women more because the media is covering it more. It's that the media is subliminally putting out the message that missing white women, particularly like blonde, super innocent, beautiful white women, matter much more than any other class of people. Well, so also we have to understand there is an element here of, again, of a population of people who have more resources and availability. So it's not Mm -hmm. just that the media wants to cover the white kids. It's all the white families. They have more money. They have more connections. They have more availability to get to the media and put it out there when you've got, you know, maybe a less, affluent black, brown, Asian, Native American family, they go to the media. First, they don't have all these, all this money resources necessarily to then really push their agenda. I mean, do you think, I know that happened because we saw with Gabby Petito's dad, I mean, he was out, he was talking to the media every single chance he got. And I don't doubt for one minute, he was going to have them talk to him whether they wanted to or not. I mean, he was going to show up at these stations he has the resources to be able to do that. Well, and I think on the other end, so you've got that end of the victim and their family. On the other end, you've got advertisers and viewers, right? right. So they're kind of screwed from, but people of color who are missing and their families are kind of screwed from both sides because Definitely. what we have learned from the media is that, you know, stories about missing white women get clicks, right? They get clicks, they get eyes. And so, if they can get more clicks and eyes, they get more advertising dollars. So it's really just this disgusting cycle. And I think that the message that it puts out is one of these things that like, we just don't see until we look at things through the right lens. Well, sure. And then, you know, in the whole, the whole Gabby Petito thing, you know, I mean, they really dived into, and it was like, it was like these kids were on this van trip and it's like, Man, you're talking about some serious privilege. When I was 22 years old, I worked three jobs because I couldn't pay my bills. 
I couldn't have afforded to go traveling around in a van because mommy and daddy were putting money into my damn bank card, you know, like that whole, but it was like, it's a fascinating story, right? These kids were on this journey and it's all this great stuff. And they were living in a van and they were Instagram people. And, and so it really took it even further. They weren't just quote unquote, normal kids just working at, you know, Burger King. These were travelers in this van you know they made it sound like this whole big thing and then all i'm seeing is like the privilege allotted to a 22 year old that doesn't uh, who doesn't have to work when they're 22 who are you people do you guys think that some of this is attributed to um entitlement yep in that the these the 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 upper echelon the white people these people that get to travel around in a van at 22 something happens to them and they're like no we have to get this out there we have to do this this is somebody has to know this whereas the marginalized people are feel helpless and that they don't know who to go to. They don't know how to find these resources. They don't know how to access the media, et cetera. Well, and when they they do, they don't meet with positive results. Right. So, I mean, it does kind of get to the, well, the second a new white kid goes missing, my kid's going to get bumped. Right. A cuter girl than Gabby Petito goes missing tomorrow. We stop hearing about Gabby Petito. Sorry, but it's true. Yeah. Well, I do. So I wanted to talk about this first. I do think that there is not to always bring it back to the view, but it's very important. So uh, (laughs) Anna Navarro, if you guys, I don't know if you are familiar with her. She is a woman of color on the view sometimes. Um, And it was interesting to hear her talk about it. And I thought what she said was beautiful. I, I think there's a possibility when we talk about this to, to have like an all lives matter esque reaction, right? Because when the topic of race comes up, when there's someone who has been missing or murdered, it's almost like when Democrats bring up gun reform right after a mass shooting, right? It's like, it's almost like bringing up anything else when something like this happens is taking away from the person who is in the spotlight. And what Anna Navarro said that I thought was great, she was like, I don't want a single bit of attention or the effort that has been put in by authorities to be taken away from Gabby Petito. I'm so glad that all of that effort was marshaled. I just wish that that effort was marshaled for other people as well. Right. Yes. It's just as equal. That's all we're wanting. We don't want the gap. We don't want this to have happened to Gabby Petito. We don't want for her to have. And then, and so then I know Rin and I have a, a purpose for all of this too. We have other conversations to be having. Yes. Um, and so this is, and we will, and we will. Yeah. We're going to get into that stuff too here in a second, but you know, um, right here in our, and so for those of us in Knoxville, um, the Sheena Kyle has been missing for three months. They suspect her boyfriend they're suspecting a murder um the family has finally started and fortunately unfortunately i don't know all of these um they're like hey y'all are paying attention to gabby petito who has nothing to do with us here in knoxville does sheena 
Kyle is missing in Knoxville, Tennessee. We should not be hearing about Gabby Petito anymore. We should be hearing about Deshina Kyle. We yeah, need her, to be- Gabby Petito's body, body has been body found. Has been found. We haven't found the douchebag that did it to her. I know. Look, we you're guilty until uh, innocent until proven guilty in this country. But let's be honest. We know. And that we'll get into what all this other stuff, too, that we need to be paying attention. But Deshina King's parents have been trying to find her now for three months. Okay. And we can't find her. Nobody's looking for her. Yesterday, finally, there was this kind of big um, action where a bunch of people and volunteers met with her family and have been like just trying to scour fields. And, you know, we do have a lot of open space here. We don't have more open space here than Wyoming does where Gabby Petito was found. No. And so, I mean, there, like, have honestly, been, there have been over 700, and they think that's a conservative estimate. In the <clears> last 10 years, there have been over 700 indigenous women and girls that have been either missing or murdered. Correct. Well, and then we've got, you talked about, so now these are all women, a 24 year old young man, Daniel Robinson, black man is missing. No one's heard about this kid. This kid's a geologist. I mean, he's, I say 24, he's a grown man, but you know, his, he has a family that wants to find him wants to know and somehow he garners no big, huge national media reaction. I mean, people were going out trying to find Gabby Petito's body en masse. Why are we not trying to find Daniel Robinson or Deshina Kyle en masse? Why is everybody not as enraged? Because we've, we have taken the marginalized and dehumanized them. We've talked about this a million times. They're less human, less dead and they're less important, right? They weren't going to be, I don't know what anybody thought Gabby Petito was going to end up being, but how, I mean, was she, her value somehow was more than this 24 year old geologists. Well, and it's, you know, and it's not the, like, the problem here isn't like specifically racist, hateful people, right? It's Mm -hmm. the air that we all breathe. It's the messages that we all intake and the lens through which we see the world right? That's why we have to change those things. Like we have to look, it's amazing to me how much racism touches. You know, I was talking to, um, touches it. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to Calvin, someone who we've had on the podcast about a project that Katrina and I are trying to work on um, about racism, empowering people to be advocates um, against racism in our community. And he has taken on a project with our utilities board here in Knox County, because the utilities of black families get turned off more than white families, even when both have failed to pay their bills equally. Right. Like they've Why not is that? the same. Well, be right. Because that's racist. That's that racist, racist. Guys. And it's we, not that there's one person at the utilities board who is a racist, who's making this happen. It's, it's a zip our code. society. It's our culture. Mm-hmm. That's right. And And what's okay and what's not okay to happen to other people. Um, You know, another thing they were talking about on The View. um, (laughs) I love that I'm growing into our resident basic white lady. I'm so glad someone said it. (laughs) Here's my Panera coffee. Um, Is it pump? Is it PSL? Is it the most basic bitch drink you could get? No, it's frozen. It's like a frozen mocha. Well, one step from it. That's fine. I'm working. I'm working. Um, <laughs> but they were talking about the Haitian people 
Haitian migrants who are coming here because their country is collapsing and their lives are in danger. Always and, been terrible, by the way. Yes. And they are, they basically, as they were trying to come here to, to try to seek asylum, which is, by the way, a completely legal thing to do, they were being like whipped and chased down by people on horse. And someone compared it like you, you would look at it. It looks like a slave patrol. It looked like something from Django. It looked like something from Django. It's disgusting. And if we have people, like, do we think if there were Canadians coming over the border, some whiteies, that that's what would be happening? No, if they were brown Canadians, we might, though. Perhaps. But when I think Canadian, I think, like, a white, I I, honestly, I think about a Mountie. (laughs) Do you think a white Mountie, Mountie, like, gentle, spirited man? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> not that there true. aren't people of color in Canada. I'm just telling you what my uh, stereotypical brain goes to. <laughs> it's fine. You're racist also toward Canadians. I love Canadians. Well, that's, that's kind of the point, right? Like, yep. I have like, I've decided that I'm never going to call somebody racist again. It's, uh, I don't know, maybe that's a stretch. But um, <laughs> <laughs> unless it's like a heinous thing, we are just, we just all think and receive racist things all the time we're just basically swimming in it that's right and and so this and this has become you know if you pay attention and so it's easy to get drawn into it with these stories and all of this and then you don't realize on and so that was that's kind of what we've talked about with um calvin too is being an anti-racist right and try to be someone who advocates against it and it's because we read the Gabby, because I read the articles on Gabby Petito. Does it make me terrible? Does it make me racist? Does it make me those things? No, no. but does it, you know, and, and how would I have known to look for missing indigenous women? If it's not, you know, if I didn't, if we don't talk, right, we don't meet with people who are different than us, who, who share different experiences. And that's kind of why that's valuable. Kind of talking. Also, to- I don't think what we're saying is let's spend all of our time on the internet researching missing people. Um, no, that's not. That's not going to be helpful. It is um, not. And, you know, and and we're not saying you're a bad person because you didn't know who some of these people were. It's a it's a systemic and a systematic problem. I didn't know about Dashina Kyle until you just said that, and I live here and that's care right. about these things. That's correct. And so, and it's. You imagine, and so if you take away everything else, these are people who are so deeply hurting that are missing their loved ones and we're forgetting that. And somehow we're getting so lost in the weeds with other things that there is a family out there who is deeply hurt, who is sure that their daughter is dead. And they just really just want to know because they've said worse than not, than her being dead is not knowing where they are. Right. They can have no whatever they need to do to go, go to the next step. They don't have that ability because they're still searching. They're searching for something. And I I can't imagine anything worse than going out into a field and searching for somebody's body that I love. Like, I mean, that's a, Oh, that's because what you're going out there looking so hard, but like, what do you, what happens if, and when you find this person? Well, and I think I mean, even you if think? you're Gabby Petito's family, you feel helpless, right? Like it doesn't really matter how much attention, you know, it's like we found from that yeah. study. It's not the attention that actually gets you help. It's, it's probably, it's law enforcement, right? Um, well, I think I mean, you feel helpless no matter what. That's right. And, and the more chirping, devastated. but, 
But you imagine that Deshina Kyle's family's out there with 30 people looking and they see Gabby Petito's family gets, you know, helicopters and, the, you know, yeah. people, people from 30 states looking for her and, you know, all these rescues. And it's like, could we get a helicopter? Just like while they're up, could they just like circle over there? Wing past. It's not it's a little bit of a trip, but it's okay. I mean, anything. It's got to be incredibly hard because all of these things, right? So um, just kind of forgetting there's people left behind that. So I think this is what we're saying is this is another way to be mindful of the ways in which racism affects us daily, right? Yep. Um, and guess what? We're going to talk about racism again in a minute. But also, Katrina reminded me, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So if you thought that this episode was about to take an upturn, <laughs> you're <not. laughs> you were wrong. Super fun episode, kids. I'm, I'm glad to be here. It is. <laughs> this is how I like to start my Saturday mornings. You're so it'll welcome. Get, it'll get better. It'll get better. Not, uh, not this episode. It'll get better others. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, we're fine. Everything's so fine. I'm sure most people... No, we're talking about when we talk about domestic violence, but it is the domestic violence. Is that like violence towards like cows and cats or dogs, like domestic animals? No. Lucky, cute Mitchell. Also not okay. (laughs) Correct. Leave the cows alone. Um, Other animals, all the domestics. Domestic violence is the willful intimidation, physical assault, battery, sexual assault, and or other abusive behavior as part of a systematic pattern of power and control perpetrated by one intimate partner against another. It includes physical violence, sexual violence, psychological violence, and emotional abuse. The frequency and severity of domestic violence can vary dramatically. However, the one constant component of domestic violence is one partner's consistent efforts to maintain power and control over the other. Um, and this in America affects more than 10 million people per year, That's which is kind of a staggering number. And I will say from um, mine and Katrina's past work on foster care review board, I would guess that that number has gone up somewhat significantly during the pandemic. Definitely. So the reason we're bringing that up is because the Gabby Petito case seems to definitely be a domestic violence issue. Um, strangely, so the, the original 911 call, um, there was a man who called, he had seen Brian Laundry chasing Gabby Petito and hitting her and slapping her before they got in the car. And so he called, you know, and reported it. <clears throat> when they found them, they determined that she was the aggressor because she, she had also hit him. Sure. I think probably trying to defend herself, but we'll never, we don't know. Or, or, we don't just, know. We or, in the or just did. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, doesn't um, matter. Yeah. It's not, you know, at this point, like, but they determined that she was the aggressor and he was the victim. He basically stood there chatting, smiling, even laughing with the cops once she told them that she had some mental health issues, it's and she was crying the whole time, um, or emotional at least, but she definitely was crying off and on. Um, 
I think what happened, what it looked like to me from watching the video was that they basically determined that she was a crazy lady and emotional and overwrought and had taken that out on him. Um, What she also told them at one point uh, was that he had squeezed her face so hard that it hurt. He also said she took the wheel. She never, she said she did not. Apparently that didn't matter. Um, What ended up happening was they did not file charges against her um, and took him to a hotel for the night and had her sleep in the van. We don't know how long after that she was killed, but what we do know is that it probably would have been better if they had arrested her because she might not have ended up dead. Um, I also, when I look at that, what it looks like to me is she was saying he didn't hit her to defend him. So he wouldn't get in trouble because what he said when they came over to him was, I hope she hasn't said anything too bad about me. (laughs) Nope. You, you made sure of that. Um, I'm really hoping all those cops who made these choices kind of do have suffer a little bit of guilt here. I'm sorry, but uh. it sounds like, so one cop was talking to her. First of all, he told her to stop crying, which pissed me off. He was like, Oh, don't cry. Don't cry. There's no reason to cry. You're coming out like a golden flower or something like that. I was like, okay, gross. First of all, if she's emotional, don't like, she's not hurting anyone by having some tears. She wasn't weeping uncontrollably. She was emotional because it was scary. Well, yeah, she, she's a young, immature 22-year-old that was obviously under stress of some kind. I mean. Right. I got pulled over at that age because I was driving my dad's car and he had like a broken taillight or something. And I'm sure I was on the verge of tears. <laughs> I'm sure you were also. <laughs> Much less in a situation like this. Um, and. I, I, he was talking to her about his wife and how she had anxiety and how they, you know, they weren't good enough for each other. Like he and his wife weren't good for each other. What it sounds like to me is he was laying some things on her from his own personal experience. Mm-hmm. And what it reiterated to me more than anything is, you know, we've talked about how, you know, in cases of police brutality, boy, wouldn't it, or like when police, you know, sh- shoot someone it would probably be helpful to have someone like a social worker along to help deescalate a situation or in this case, spot signs of abuse that a cop just isn't trained to, well, to do. Say, what made that cop think he was a therapist at that moment? You know what I mean? Right. And also like, again, yeah, like you said, it comes down to training. It comes down to we cops are the first people to respond to these domestic calls or, you know, mental health calls. And yeah, they have no, Mental health training, they have no professional. I mean, no, empathy. it's not their job. What mental? What, no empathy. Well, even if they do have empathy, they don't have the formal training to be able to deal with a mental break, period. Right. And I think it's kind of one of those things of like, it's actually not their job. Right. That's really not in, I mean, as far as I know, not in their job description. And I think it's actually asking a lot of them um, to, it's kind of like with teachers where teachers have to be not only teachers, but social workers and, oh, maybe we should have them carry a gun and be a security. Like it's, it's too much, especially for a job that we really don't pay that much. So, you know, I'm not like cops are always right person, 
But what I'm saying is maybe we would get better results out of cops if our expectations were a little bit if, different. And if we use them if, for what they were made to trained for and not and we for give things them they and the people agree. we give them and the people they're dealing with that specific kind of support. Well, right. We've tried, uh, Helen Ross McNabb here in town has tried doing some, you know, sending a mental health worker with on those kind of calls and they're not getting great results from the powers that be. What do you mean? They're getting pushback. Oh yeah. And it's like, because mental health will not be addressed in this country. We just will not deal with it properly. You know, we want to just pretend like it doesn't happen and like shoo it away and then it'll go away. Well, no, it's not going to go away. It's going to get worse. It's going to become more pervasive and in it go, it's going to start presenting in more aspects of our life every single day. Like we're going to see, see it more and more and more. And so, um, you know, so what this, um, I had sent you Rin that article from Ginger Z. Um, she's the weather meteorologist on good morning America. And with that network and she, um, she actually, and I thought, man, I know I really like Ginger Z. So I don't know if I'm seeing this through like my little, I like her. So I'm going to listen to what she says. So I sent it to you, Ren, Right. And I said, am I off balance or did what she write was, was what she wrote, like kind of cool. So like Ginger Z basically said, what we're not talking about is domestic violence and how this could be any of us. So she said, I could have been Gabby Petito. I just was lucky because I had resources and knowledge to get me out of it before I became dead. And she also said, I would like to see this more evenly covered for everybody missing out there. Yeah. And women, minorities are, you know, Native American population who really suffers from a lot of things that we will not deal with, um, that we, you know, caused many years back. <laughs> we started this degeneration of their uh, population and we just won't deal with it. And so she had like brought that up and it was, I just liked how she basically said, you know, we're not trying to take away from what's happened here. We just would like to see it and address domestic violence and those kind yeah. of things. Support women who are, instead of doing what we did with Gabby Petito and say, well, it's okay. And don't cry. And, you know, Oh, just go sleep in that van and we'll get him a hotel room. Maybe if we had like kind of seen the signs of domestic violence, a 22 year old young lady would not be dead right now. Correct. I also think it's important to point out that, um, you know, I, I went to the, the Domestic Violence Awareness Month website um, and they had a profile for abusers. They did not have a profile for victims. And that's because there is no specific kind of person that is a victim of domestic violence. It can, it can affect anyone. It can sometimes affect people you would least suspect. There is no typical domestic violence victim. It can be um, someone of any race, any size, any gender. That's right. Well, you know, that's right. And so Dashina Kyle, again, I go back to her also a victim of domestic violence. And we, um, you know, so this is, this has to do with like cultural sensitivity and everything too. So us knowing how other cultures operate, communicate, do things is helpful. What 
I can't help but think happen is it's like, well, that's just kind of how they do stuff. Right. I mean, and we didn't see signs. We didn't do anything about it. Nobody helped to keep her uh, abuser away from her. And now we don't know where she is, you know? So um, it just does come to, yeah. And you're right. There is no, and I guess that's a, that's the bigger thing. Um, Violence uh, uh, sufferers do present in so many ways that it's hard to paint a profile and know because somebody, you know, really used. If you think you don't know someone who's been affected by this in some way, you're wrong. And it is, and, and often it's, you know, people that would surprise you. It's not, you know, it's not, I think we have this image of like, once again, this like sweet, but pathetic, like little girl woman huddled in a corner. That's not what it always looks like. Um, and also I wouldn't, you know, I think people assume we're talking about heterosexual relationships, but it's, it happens. Um, yeah, it happens in every kind of relationship, every, you know, every single kind of relationship has suffered some kind of, um, unfortunate abuse. So, um, yeah. I also wanted to point out before, like, what'd you say? Wow. Super cheery. Mitch is like, let's, uh, wrap this one up folks. I also wanted to point out if Brian Laundrie had been uh, specifically a black male or, or, you know, any, any male of color, I don't think he would have been like shooting the shit with the cops and laughing. And well, I can tell you if he had been black and he had been in a van with Gabby Petito, he'd already be dead. Sorry. You see a guy, a black guy driving around with Gabby Petito crying. That guy is assumed guilty immediately. But he had the, you know, the little bro dog. And that was the end. I hate, oh, it made me sick to watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, so last thing before we go, um, our, our pal Remington posted this thing on Facebook that I thought was compelling. And it was about, you know, it was a post saying, you know, we should be teaching our daughters to leave toxic relationships. And by the way, I, you know, Gabby Petito could have hit him. It could have been a mutually sure. violent relationship. You know, I, I don't mean, doubt, I don't doubt for one moment we had, we probably were in a relationship that we shouldn't have been in. I think absolutely just kept on spiraling. Just, it seems like one of us killed the other and the other didn't, but and that's correct. And then, and then we done crossed the bridge too far. <laughs> I mean, like just, you know, but what he was saying in response to that post was what we need to be doing is not teaching our daughters to leave toxic relationships, but teaching our sons not to create these situations. And he, you know, he said, this starts with me and, and my sons and well, and not I, just our sons. So again, we're talking, that's, you know, talking a per, per completely heteronormative relationship. We need to teach all young people, no matter gender, race, um, anything, how to not be in toxic relationships and not be the toxic person in a relationship. Yeah. I, yeah, I think unfortunately it's, and it's like, we need to, because it's, so it, it made me think of, you know, rape culture and, and, you know, teaching women how, I think there's a perfect parallel there with like teaching women not to be, how, how to avoid being raped instead of focusing on educating men on consent and also just not raping people. Um, Right. Um, 
sorry. You said something that was so horrible. The funniest way I'm like, I tried to really hard not to like, like laugh at that whole thing. But no, I mean, I just really think it comes down to, it doesn't matter what and all in our life, even in any relationship, not, you know, our relationship, none of us wants to be the toxic person in this podcast, right? Where it's, it, so it's like, that's, well, we know it's you, Mitch. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so I do want to say that. So it is across the board, but I do think it's an and, but I, I do think that generally speaking, we see more men being abusers because we live in a society that tells men they can't express their emotions in a normal way. And so then they bottle up and they drink and sometimes lash out in ways they might not if we didn't put them in this specific box. Yeah. And so I think for me, raising a son, that's something that I do have to keep in mind. Sure. You know what I mean? I I think that, you know, it's, it's misogynist, right? Any, any trait a man can have that is deemed feminine, like vulnerability and, you know, straight, just having feelings Mm -hmm. um, is deemed not masculine enough. And therefore they have to turn to other ways of expressing themselves. Sure. And it becomes, and it turns out kind of that way. Yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't disagree. So if you're that toxic person, get your act together. Don't be an abuser. What do we always say here? Don't be a dick. Don't be a jerk. We, we say happy neighbor, happy hood. Nobody that. says that. Nobody says that. Absolutely nobody. Anyway, your neighborhood hates you. You're the new guy. No, it's it's coming. It's gonna it's gonna be on farmhouse signs <laughs> on ship yeah, lap across the country. We haven't yet recorded in person in Mitch's new abode, but it is a little Karen esque. So Karen got a real farm door and a, got a few a, live, love, laugh signs. I, I admit I am a basic Mitch. Oh God. <laughs> okay. But you're our basic Mitch. You are our basic Mitch. Um, all right. So don't be racist. Don't kill people. Don't abuse people. And, uh, and to Ren's point, don't rape. Don't. Don't, don't do that. Don't rape. It's not necessary. <laughs> It's not necessary. I mean, straight up rude. It is so many things. Rude. Rude is the word I would choose. (laughs) Let's not rape. Oh, my God. Find us. This is one of those moments that if they really, like, just took that clip, we would Mm. all three be canceled and straight to hell. Forever. (laughs) Forever. None of us will ever be anything of importance because of that clip. And it's fine. (laughs) Um. I stand by it though. <laughs> I, I, me too. Find us at that other F You can email us that other F at Gmail. Um, rate, subscribe, like, send this podcast to your friends and neighbors. And maybe not maybe, this one. Maybe wait for a couple of weeks and then send that one. Maybe not. No, actually, this no, one. don't send that one either. Um, yeah. Maybe go back through the backlogs. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, like maybe first season when we were still decent. Um, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, but like halfway the princess episode. I don't know. Just, just whatever. Listen, work your way up to these though. Is all we're all we're saying. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess, friend, you want to tell them what they should remember. 
Feminism isn't a bad word. You're welcome for brightening your day. <laughs>